God bless you guys. So we're going to continue what we talked about last week, but I, I made a change. So I scratched that out, and we're going to change the title of the series to this. Instead of who is Jesus and what has he done, because last time we talked a little bit about how time, if we think in terms of it being too concrete and too linear, we can miss the point that God is not subject to that in the same way that we are. So the second is, if Jesus himself is the good news, why don't we let him speak for himself? And uh, so we'll, we'll try to do that. Obviously, we're going to look at the scripture a little bit. But I would encourage you guys to give yourself over to the reality that he is here to reveal himself to you. That's not just here at church. That's here as the sent one from the Father to reveal himself to you. And so you have every right to expect and believe, and most of you here have, uh, have in fact, had that happen and have heard it, but you have every right to trust in and rely upon and uh, take advantage in a positive way of your access to the Father through Jesus, your access to the Holy Spirit. So uh, let's see, Lord, Lord, we invite you to come and, and speak in the hearts of your people and to transcend distance and transcend time. Uh, Lord, not just by the technology of Zoom, but by the reality of your ruling and reigning at the right hand of the Father and your transcendence of time. Not to say, Lord, that you can't intersect with time, that you can't be in time, that you haven't been in time, that you aren't in time, that you can meet us in time. But you're not limited in that way, Lord, like we are. So we just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would enlighten us as we review and as we talk about these things and uh, help us to celebrate the glory of our life with you. In Jesus' name. All right, so we're going to review a little bit, uh, and hopefully quickly. So in the beginning was the Word, the Logos, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, this goes back to the idea, Jesus, of who you are, who you are, and I want you guys, I've thrown some more Greek word definitions in here. Uh, so we're going to look at Logos and a couple of the others. But I don't want you to stumble over the fact that these word definitions are inadequate to contain and to explain what's in your heart when you're relating to who Jesus is and who God is. It's only natural. It's only natural. Because Communication, language, words, Greek, Hebrew, all these things, they are not the knowledge base from which the Logos comes, or God comes, or redemption comes. All those big realities of the life of God, the eternal life of God, the pre-existing things, all these type things, they have to find expression in forms of our language. So one of the things I've learned in the last little while, because I've always been one that really enjoyed digging around in the Greek or trying to understand the Hebrew, and and, and I felt a sense of uh, a sense of loyalty and a sense of duty actually to the original languages, because I realized how easy it was to take a word that's rich in meaning in, in Greek or rich in meaning in Hebrew and turn it into a simplistic kind of English word. And uh, you know, the first time I remember seeing that was love, and I realized that there's storge and there's eros and there's agape, and there's phileo. And so there's four different words for something that we use love for, and we wonder why we're confused when somebody that's uh, in their teens says, I love you, to another person in their teens in the back of the car, and that means something different than what a husband and wife that have been married for 50 years say to one another. You know, And, so, uh, and, and, and even that's different than what we say about peanut butter. And so I just wanted, I, I've been struck by this because what I'm, what I'm, what I'm drawn into sharing is so much bigger than any one word or any one, uh, word study can portray. We're talking about something that, that men and women have struggled down through the ages and that, in fact, God has, it's probably wrong to say struggled, but he's faced incredible challenges. I mean, as soon as Adam, turned away from trust in God and started trusting himself, the sheer presence of Yahweh in the garden 
caused him to be afraid. So when we, when we're in a position where we want to be embraced by God and to know the love and the, and the depth and the, the compassion and communion of that, the very presence of God is a barrier to us to receive it because we don't know. I mean, look what happened to the children of Israel at the base of Sinai. They were delivered miraculously by, from slavery. And then they were so terrified at the base of the mountain that they decided not to take the next logical step, which was to engage with God, but they pushed Moses to do it. So we'll work through that. And God's, he knows that. And he's worked his way through it throughout the history of Israel and throughout the history of the church. But as we go through these words, I, I want you to just sort of be okay with the fact that what we're looking at, what we're experiencing, what we're invited into is bigger than any of these words can tell. And it does, it, that doesn't make it insecure because there isn't a quiz after this. There's a relationship. We're not in good standing because we get a passing grade. We are in good standing because God is our Father and Jesus is our friend and our King and our Savior. Make sense? And the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And talk about a word. Has it ever ever made you nervous that the third person in the Trinity who is assigned to come and be in us and with us is designated as the comforter? It should, if you thought about it, because that must mean there's going to be some uncomfortable stuff. That's the natural part of why he's coming. And so, see what I mean? How the language is, is, it has to work its way into it. So anyway, so we talked about this last week. The word is the logos. And I loved uh, this definition. This is out of the uh, BGAD. It's a big, uh, very highly thought of lexicon. A communication whereby the mind or the inward thought finds expression. The inward thought finds expression. All right? Now, think how inadequate the word word is for that. Think about in your own life how you've got just a, a, tuma, a, a tumult of emotions that you would like to express to somebody that you care for. Or think about the possibility, I'd prefer that, but think about the possibility of how you have just this multi-layered, sort of frightening, storm-clad confusion or anxiety that you're trying to get into words. And so you would say something in that case like, I'm afraid. But you know when you're saying it, it doesn't say everything. Or, I love you. But that doesn't say everything either. And that's the way this is. So don't worry about that. Start thinking in relational terms rather than in didactic terms or in exegetical terms. All right? So that's why I like this definition of logos. A communication whereby the mind or the inward thought finds expression. So you can think about how you have a, 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 a series of emotions rolling in you and you have to kind of struggle to get the words out, right? Or maybe you go to a counselor and they're trying to help you find words to express this thing so you can, right, that, that's totally perfect. But flip it and now think about God as your father, as the eternal one, as the one who decided in the context of his holiness which is his love and dynamic between the Son and the Spirit and the Father. Not a judicial list of, of moral perfections that we're thrown onto the table and have to follow, but the sheer delight, the sheer wonder of how the Son honors the Father. The sheer wonder of how the Father looks at his own Son. This is my beloved Son. Hear him, he said to the disciples on the top of Mount Transfiguration. You see how words are inadequate to express the, the, the breadth of the heart of the Father? Or, here's another uh, limitation of words. God made, uh, created, right? Created the earth, he separated plants, fish, animals, everything. Then he created man. And in the prior layers of creation, he said, this is good. 
this is good. This is good. But when he looked at you, he said, this is very good. How can a word very carry the difference between the pleasure of the Father through Jesus Christ by the Spirit after creating a beautiful rock formation? The only word that we have access to that tells the difference in the, in the bubbling of his heart between that rock formation and Adam and Eve is very. See what I'm saying? So we have to get in the position where we think relationally and not didactically, relationally and not vocabulary-wise. So when, when, when we're looking at this word logos, which is a, a Greek word, and it's a word that philosophers coined to try to get the idea of the big thing behind the thing, the mental thing behind the thing. And then if you plug a relational conclusion into that, you can start thinking about this one that we know is Jesus. This one that we know is Jesus is the expression that we can handle, that we can touch, like John says in 1 John, right? We have handled him, we have touched him, we have seen him, of the bigness of what's in God's heart, of the purposes in God's heart. That makes sense? It's not easy to do. It's not easy to do. But I do think it's something that the Holy Spirit is willing to bear witness with and to cause to kind of go, wow. And so when you have those little inklings where you're just going, there's more going on here than I realize. Yes, give yourself to that. That's the nature. Don't judge God as father by how your dad was. Let fatherhood be as big as it could be if it was in the heart of your father. See what I'm saying? Okay, so uh, that, that's, the, the, that's, who, that's who Jesus is, okay? We went on to a, a couple others, uh, and it got to talking about the light. This is just reviewing for what we're talking about. So there was the true light, two folks to Alatheon. That idea there, the true, the light. So Jesus is light. And then the better way to think about that, I think, or the, the relational way to think about that is if you're lost in the woods and all of a sudden you see the lights of the search crew climbing, what kind of emotion is that going to stir in you? Is it going to be just an objective kind of, oh, light? No. It represents so much more, right? It represents being found. It represents being safe. It represents being fear melting away from you, right? Or if you can remember back to when you were a little kid and you were afraid of the dark and the monster under your bed or the bedroom, that thing is dispelled by just the flipping on of light. All the cases that can be made to create anxiety in your heart when you're three or four or five years old and you're afraid of what's under the bed or in the closet can be utterly exercised just by turning on the light. And especially by your mom or dad turning on the light. Right? Start thinking in those kind of relational terms about this. The other way to, to, to think relationally about these words and get a running start at more of their meaning is to realize that in, uh, in 1 John we talk about a lot. One of those statements that God is, uh, it's followed by the word, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. So the union between Jesus and his Father, the similarity between them, the, the, the oneness between them, is characterized in this right at the beginning of the Gospel of John about light, that Jesus is light. His life became the light. And so then there's another relational thing to think about. Allow your imagination, allow your heart to run to the fact we're not just talking about Jesus coming down and shining like a light bulb. Although he does do that, that manifests that way. That's what happened on the Mount of Transfiguration. But we're talking about the very life that he possesses, the life that he lives, the life that he sacrificed for us, the life that he gave. That stuff, that life, is the light of man. That's what enlightens the heart of everybody. So it's not just like uh, Al and I were talking about, and uh, actually Brian and I were talking about it too, just a little bit ago. What position are we going to take through all these crazy COVID tyrannies and all this kind of stuff 
What position are we going to take to protect our heart's ability to be there for people that are going to begin suffering the consequences for these vaccines or suffering the consequences of lost jobs? You know, our, uh, it's, it's easy to, I think I love the way you said it, Brian, it's easy to let our compassion grow cold and not be in a position as a result of the cold-heartedness to pray for those that need healing that the medical industry isn't going to be able to provide for. And, of course, Jesus never did that. Never did that. And he, more than we could ever do, saw the folly of our sin, saw the folly of our running away into darkness and blindness. So this is what I'm talking about. Let these words get to be bigger. This is who he is. He is the true light that his life is enlightening every person. I don't know what that means. Not really. I mean, I can't exhaust that meaning. But I know this. I know that I was raised in a theological system that placed too high a value on me coming to a satisfactory answer about what that was. And then checking that off the box and going, okay, I've got that one. I'll go into something else. And I was, I, I have been progressively delivered from that into a system where I'm comfortable with the fact that, that I think, I believe that God is light and in him is no darkness at all, that Jesus' life is the light of men and enlightens every man. But I am wide open to more, more references to that, more information about that. Like in, in my particular case, because I was thinking relationally, when I realized in John chapter 3 that Jesus said, and this is judgment, that light has come in the world, that changed everything I thought about judgment, everything I had been taught my whole life. Whereas judgment was this, 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 it was checking off things, it was a gavel. No, it's this life of Jesus. There's another interesting verse in, um, I think it's at the end of 12, might be in 13, I think it's in the end of 12 though. No, I don't know, probably uh, John 13. Jesus said, if you don't, if you hear my words and don't do the things I say, I'm not going to judge you. Isn't that a weird thing? Have any of you ever heard a sermon preached on that verse? If you hear my words and don't do what I say, I'm not going to judge you. There is one that will judge you, the words themselves, because they're light from light from the one who is true light. Isn't that amazing? That's not a judge sitting behind a, a bench with a gavel with a bailiff standing there and you in handcuffs in an orange jumpsuit. That's the life of Jesus continuing to shine on you and open the door. And he goes on from there to say, I didn't come to judge the cosmos, I came to save it, the world. So anyway, so light is that way. He is light. And then this one... I wanted to emphasize this last verse because we didn't talk a lot about that. We did a little bit, but uh, so it goes on down. The Word became flesh, and He dwelt among us, and He saw the glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him, crying, saying, This is He of whom I said, He who comes after me is of higher rank than I, for He existed before me. And that's John the Baptist saying that. For of His fullness we have all received. All right. Of His fullness we have all received. The structure of those words allow you to say, of the fullness of the Logos made flesh, I have received. That's a relational way to read that. You can put your name in there. It's not a conditional thing. It's not like, what do I have to do? That's how I thought about it most of my life, or how it was taught to me. What do you have to do to get that fullness in there? It's like it's a a prize hanging out there in the distance, and you've got something to do. But what this says, literally, is of his fullness we have all received. His fullness is the fullness of the Logos. It's the fullness of the Word of God, the fullness of the Son of God, the fullness of the Eternal One, the Word made flesh, the One who was with God and face-to-face -face with God from the beginning. This is incredible. So you can afford to allow your imagination to run a little bit, and not transgress, it can run and say, wow. It'd be amazing if, uh, let's see, who would be a good person? How about Jeff Bezos? So, Brian, 
if, if you got a letter from Jeff and said, Brian, of my fullness, you can receive. That'd be pretty interesting. I mean, like, what would that mean, right? You might get to fly up into space like William Shatner did, or you might have a free Amazon account forever, or, you know, whatever, because this is stuff that's a part of Jeff Bezos that might be ours. And I'm not putting it beyond him to be generous with some of those things or whatever. But now think about the logos, the very thought and heart and imagination of God himself being expressed in the world and of his fullness you now receive. And that's not the only place it says it. Paul followed up on that in Colossians. We looked at that last week, I think, where uh, you know, of, uh, it, it pleased the Lord to invest all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form in Jesus. It's, it's difficult to understand the limits of that. But we can afford to go ahead and project into it. All right. Now, how about this one? No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has explained him. And I talked about this last week, but this is one of those Greek words that is, it's going to be inadequate by design, but it's, it's important. So exegomai is the lexical root, and it means to exegete, or think about this, to consider out loud, to relate in detail, tell, report, or describe, to set forth in great detail, or to expound. So Jesus is setting forth in great detail what? The heart of God. What, is in, what, has, what, what motivated him to create in the first place? What motivated him to design you as you? What motivated him to prepare a world that is perfectly suited for you to live in? What motivated him to carve a destiny out of all possible destinies for you that the Lord sees you as? Not something that we have to earn, not something that we have to layer up, something we have to discover, something we have to recognize, something we have to believe in. So the idea to consider out loud, that means, and so when we read the Gospels uh, or when you're praying and you're dialoguing with Jesus, you can keep in mind that Jesus said, these words are not my own. They're the Father's who's doing his work in me. How many of you have had a simple phrase that you feel you heard Jesus speak to you? Like, I love you, or uh, I love you, son, or something like that. Yeah? I, hope, I hope all of us have had something like that. Now, we can talk ourselves out of the significance of that. It's pretty easy to. But he did say, my sheep hear my voice. So this is a more humble question. It's easier to answer. How many of you consider yourself at least sheep of Jesus? <laughs> All right, so my sheep hear my voice, right? My sheep hear my voice. Bah. And so it's okay for you to realize that that was him exegeting the heart of his father toward you. We should learn to live with this expectation. That's what this is talking about. Then we're going to come back to this verse in just a little bit. So, um, okay, so this, I, I, I tried not to overload this tonight, and I even left one scripture out. Any questions, any thoughts about what I've said so far? Make sense? Okay, go ahead, Money. Mike's on, I think. So how do you know that you're hearing or not hearing God's voice? Uh, how do you know if you're hearing or not hearing anyone's voice? So how do you know if you're hearing or not hearing Olaf's voice? Well, there's sound waves involved okay. with a human being. Okay. There could also be proximity, right? In mm -hmm. other words, you guys could be sitting at the same table. That would give you an indicator. Uh, there could also be technology involved, like a phone, right? Mm -hmm. Or a Zoom call or something. Uh, do you question when you think you hear his voice most of the time? Olaf's I'm talking about. No. Okay. Why don't you? Because there's sound waves involved. Okay. You can't see them. No, but your, your body detects them. Okay. Why would you think 
that the Lord might be speaking to you if your body or your spirit or your soul didn't detect some. So what if you think you've never heard God's voice? You think you've never heard God's voice? Well, so he's it's not he, recognizable. Yeah, he says, my sheep hear my voice. So there's evidence in the scripture that he's speaking and that we can hear. See, this is a really good question because I, I think we're, we're vulnerable to being talked out of stuff that we naturally experience. He came so that we could know him, right? Let me back up. No one has seen God at any time. We're going to get to that a little bit later. The only begotten God, which you have no doubts about that, right? You understand Jesus and the Father intimately related. I'm in you here, that kind of thing. Who is in the bosom of the Father. He has exegeted him. He has explained him. Not just as a teacher, but as a one relating in detail, telling and reporting. You know, he told his disciples, these words are not my own. They're the Father working in me. So I'm not trying to be like elusive about this. I think we've been talked out of our birthright. We've been talked out of the expectation that he promises. The reason he came was so that he could reveal to you himself and the Father. How he talks to me? Um, You know, uh, first of all, I freely admit that I don't think that everything I think God says to me is has to be him. I, I have an imagination, and I can imagine that. But I also am not stumbled by that because he knows what my faculty is. So, for instance, if Olaf wants to communicate with you, he's either going to have to get close enough that you can hear the sound waves of his voice, or he's going to dial a number, not just a random number, your number. So there's stuff on Olaf's side that is contributing to your confidence in being able to hear his voice. Proximity, technology, intent from him. That's really the big one. He doesn't just pick up his phone and not dial, right? So, I mean, I know you, and I know you take Jesus at his word in a big way. He says, my sheep hear my voice. So, and partly it's a practice. You know, like I, I, I pray and I expect God to answer. It, it became ludicrous to me that of, of the most communicative individual in all of creation, from whom all communication flows, all of it comes, that prayer should be a one-way dialogue. I don't talk to very many people not expecting them to respond. And I don't allow very many people to talk to me without me responding. It seems rude. And I don't expect God to be rude. So my expectation is there. And then, not that I force him to talk to me, but I believe I have an expectation that opens the door. So is it, so what if you're asking and you hear nothing over a period of time? Um, All right, let's switch people that you talk to. What if Shekinah asks you for something and you're not in a position to answer her? What do you encourage her to do? Um, well, she'll get the look, right? <laughs> she can get the look, now, yeah. Right? But, well, yes. But so what if you try different communications? You're not asking the same question. Yeah. You're just wanting to have conversation with God. And so you think you're not having conversation with God. Do you have things that block your hearing or... Like you're talking about, uh, as gentleman was saying, that how do you hear God's voice? Like the different ways that God speaks besides his word, which is very obvious. Sure. So beyond the love letter of things, like in a rainbow. Well, unfortunately, it may, not be, it may not be very obvious. I mean, some people think that he speaks out of history at a distance rather than that rhema concept of illuminating a word out of the scripture right there. But... Uh, 
I guess I understand the sincerity of your question. The complexities that we layer over that are probably based on not just genuinely believing that he is explaining stuff. He is talking all the time. He is the word. He is the one expressing the inner ideas, the inner heart, the, the hopes that God has for you, the desire he has for you, the that kind of thing. Oh, yeah, Al? Here we go. Here we go. Um, yeah, look, the amazing thing is when I... Okay, how can I explain that to people? Because God's got me in the position I am. When I first really realized I was hearing from God was when I spent a whole night in the car and went crook on him. And as the sun hit the horizon, I heard the three or four words. After abusing someone all night, you would think that they would abuse you back. But instead he said, he said, my name, he said, Al. He said, I love you. And I heard it. To me, it was out loud in the car. Now, with God, with humans, we hear their tone and their pitch. And when I asked Papa, how do I hear from you? Because, I, you know, brothers and sisters, we all hear from you. You can't help yourself from talking to us. How can I explain it? And he, he said, with humans, we hear tone and pitch. With God, we hear nature and character. So I have three types of thoughts. The first thought is I'm hungry. I'll go and eat, have something to eat, or I need a shower because I'm a bit smelly or whatever, if you get what I mean. So they're my first thoughts. The second type of thoughts I have is basically, see, you've done it again now. See, you're useless. It's not going to work. It's all the negative stuff. And then he talks about his still small voice. And that's the, that's the thoughts that come in that says, you know, you're doing all right. We're going to make it. Or it's a scripture that just pops out of nowhere where he says in Romans 15, it's through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures that we have hope. So when I explain to people, it could be a, it can be a, um, and, and, you know, Nancy talks about it. We all talk about it in ascensions and stuff. It's the first thing that comes to mind when you're talking to him. So what one of the things I encourage people to do is, you know, get outside in the mornings and, and sit down with God. I used to, when things were really tough, I used to get out and, and get, allow the sun to go on my left-hand side and then shut my eyes and picture myself at the right hand of the Father in heavenly places and feel his warmth next to me. And then I used to shut my eyes and I used to say, okay, Papa, I'm here with you in heavenly places next to you. You don't have to shout. I'm just here with you. And sometimes I would get a, a scripture. Sometimes he would say, write this down. And I'd write it down. And I knew it was him because he's much cleverer than me. And the words are so, wow, Papa, this is really cool. Um, and other times it was just nothing. It was just be still and know that I'm God. And just sitting him with him and just knowing that, that he's always with me. He, he never leaves me nor forsakes me. And it's like what your thoughts line up with the word. That what you hear in the spirit lines up with the word and the word lines up with the spirit and that's where we've got to be and it's just believing that he is talking to you now the amazing thing happened after that i realized because i said to him i, I never hear from you how in the blazes i meant to know what to do when you never speak to me and after that time i can then think back all over my life when he did speak to me because of that nature and character because of those thoughts that came in when i asked him questions you know, I just said, you know, I know there's more to you. Where is it? And he said, it's in my word, Al. And I used to think it was just me talking, <laughs> my thoughts. But, but one of the things that he then pointed out to me, okay, my thoughts are his thoughts. What, what is it? And well, one morning I said, what have you taught me? And he said, he said, my thoughts are your thoughts. I went searching. And when it says in the word that we have the mind of Christ, So if I have the mind of Christ, my thoughts are his thoughts and his thoughts are my thoughts. I know it's him because he's much cleverer than me.
that he just says, wow, this is really cool when I sit down with him. And and that's that's there. So that's what I encourage people to do. Listen to your thoughts. Write down your thoughts. Write down what he gives you. And he'll soon prove that it's him because of his nature and character. Barlow, uh, I heard him say a long time ago, friend, uh, pastor, he, uh, he, when he was helping people believe that the Lord was going to go, because see, we don't make God talk to us. He, he wants to talk to us. But, but he, he wants to explain. He wants us to know the Father. That's why he came. That's why he's called the Word and everything. But he would just, he said, why don't you just write down there, son, comma, and then sit there for a second and write the first thing that comes to your mind. Now, is that a guarantee that it's going to be of God? No, because we can all imagine or we can all be uptight about things and we can all produce something there. But God will find a way to communicate with us. He did with Abraham. Abraham believed that Yahweh had to be like the other gods that he knew. He had to need a sacrifice. So he heard him say, take your son, your only son, up to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. It wasn't what God wanted, but he accommodated what Abraham could hear. And then in the midst of that process revealed, I'm the one who provides. So it starts with a basic belief, for instance, Monique, which I absolutely know you have, that the Lord is real, that he loves you, that he is a communicating God. And then you just work out whatever system will allow that to happen. And you also know, oh my God, I have to get this right or it's going to be terrible. No, that's not the way it is. That is not the way it is. Slow down, listen, put yourself in position, get a piece of paper, see see what's up, and and let him father us. Let him love us. Let him communicate with us. And then it also says, uh, my sheep hear my voice, and the voice of a stranger they won't follow. That means you might hear the voice of a stranger. But that's why the Holy Spirit is with you, to lead you in the truth. So don't be alarmed if you do one of those daughter, comma, and the enemy or your own accusing thoughts throw some ugly thing in there. You write it out and go, that doesn't sound like you. And then you hear this little voice in the back of your head, well, it's not me. <laughs> That's what erasers are for. <laughs> That's what erasers are for. See, we don't have to perform this perfectly. But we, have to, we do have to believe Part of my question is already answered with what Al shared, but I was, okay. I was just following up because I think the, the practical nuts and bolts of this are really crucial yeah. because we all can read the Bible. We can go there. We can find different things, but most of us don't want to live in the same house with someone who expects us to read the same letter over and over again that was written, in this case, before we were even born. Yeah. So... It seems like a lot of what's being talked about here is ultimately backfilling what you want to be hearing in your own expectations using a, a document that's been passed down and, and vetted and is very helpful, mm -hmm. but isn't a living conversation without a spirit. Yeah. yeah. So I, the first answer I didn't find to be very satisfying. I was very encouraged with what Al shared and some of this, but I, I do like the idea of going deeper into this. Yeah. So that's Praise all, God. I, that's that's all I've really got to say. That's good. It's a, it's a journey. And if you think of it as a relational thing and not a documentary thing, you know, like what you're, what you're saying, um, it, it cannot be enough just to comb through the document. There has to be an interpersonal aspect to that. Yeah, babe. I actually have something to read. Um, so today my sister posted something on Facebook, and it just fits in so beautifully with what we're talking about in... I love your question because I think sometimes we just gloss over those things. But um, she starts this, um, to be truthful, I've been filling my life with some very fun things. Drumming, art, dancing, killing extra time on the internet, none of these are wrong in themselves. However, I have not been spending that much time in meditation and quiet time contemplating my unity and oneness with Christ. Today, in a five-minute quiet time of just being quiet and going within myself where Christ dwells, I had a beautiful experience. 
Some random thoughts flow, and you just have to dismiss them and continue in the quietness. So after shoving some of those thoughts away, there I was, listening to nature around me. Dogs barking in the distance, birds chittering, and one dove cooing in the distance. The cooing caught my thoughts, attuning into a frequency and sound that was beautiful in my ears. It was continuous, and it seemed to bring peace within my soul, and all other sounds disappeared. Then a thought came to me, and it was, Terry, I would like you to talk to me more. I would like you to speak to me throughout the day and tell me everything that you enjoy and everything that concerns you. Simple and very sweet, with no judgment, Yet all the while my spirit was tuned into the cooing of the dove, I felt a longing. I responded with my heart, in essence agreeing with this statement. I, in my daily life, had been filling my time and self up with all kinds of things, but time and Papa was on the back burner. As soon as I had the response in my heart, the dove stopped cooing. Hmm. I just think that's a beautiful picture of us hearing the voice of the Lord in the midst of lots of things being done in the midst of yeah, and, and, and I guess the only thing I want to reinforce just a tiny bit, not in, in contradiction to anything anybody said, but the re, one of the reasons, and we're, we're looking at this, one of the reasons that the Logos became flesh was so that he could explain the invisible God. Because God knew that that our sin and our anxiety had blinded our eyes to him. And he sent his son to open them again and open our ears to him again. Right. Hearing the voice of God. Yeah. I have a little history with that. And uh, it's not been the most positive from my perspective, but I've had a recent change. And that change is really simple, but took a long time. And that was, instead of assuming I don't hear the voice of God, I now assume I do. Praise God. And then I want to go back to what Al said. He lives in us, so we have the mind of Christ. Whatever those, again, this is where words do a good job conveying an idea, but they're inadequate to talk about the depth and the, and the, the, the dynamic of the relationship. If Christ lives in our heart through faith, if the Holy Spirit makes room for him in us, if we're one with him and he's one with us, then uh, um, that creates the expectation. Yeah. Elizabeth? I struggled with this for a long time. And I'll say, I'll say that what helped me the most was a pastor's said, have you ever been compelled or just had an utter compulsion to do something? For instance, today I was at the doctor's office. There was a woman. I saw her pacing. I kept her watching her. And I had just the compulsion to get out and say, are you all right? Are you looking for someone? And she said, well, my Uber isn't here. And I said, well, you can cancel your Uber and I'll take you. It was just conveyed to me through the Holy Spirit. So my point is, is that perhaps Monique has had opportunities where she's been totally compelled to do something that might not feel comfortable. I mean, I just moved here. I don't know anybody. I don't know what area I'm in, but that compulsion came from the Lord. Reach out and help. I could have just left, but it just go, go ask her what she needs. So I don't know if that helps her, but it helped me finally hear them. That's awesome. Yes. This is a really worthwhile topic, so I agree. It should probably give it more time, but just for satisfying a couple things. Um, I think one of the hindrances that talks us out of hear, hearing God is fear that we're not. And um, fear just paralyzes us. And I know it did me like, oh my God, you know, like there's this, sometimes they throw you into an exercise and just everybody tell us what you heard from God. And now you're going, 
oh my God, am I going to hear him? Am I going to hear him? And, and you're so freaked out and fearful that you hear nothing because you're just, you're all anxious you're about buzzing. it. You're yeah. just anxious about it. But I do think that knowing the character of God and his nature of being loving just helps you kind of relax, um, first of all. And then I have just come to find in relaxing in that, and because my heart wants to hear, and he's a good God that's not going to withhold from us. If we ask, he, he, you know, he's... He's going to answer. And I just began to take a risk to follow those impressions that just well up in me. So I think Elizabeth said that really well, um, kind of what you feel compelled or, or drawn to, and then you just step into that, and you're like, oh, wow, that seemed like that was God after it's over with. You don't really know, but that voice wasn't telling me to sin. That voice was telling me to go do something good for somebody. Um, so there's just some things that I use as a framework. If I have an impression and it's against what God's nature would be, it's against what his word would say, it violates somebody, then obviously I know that's, that's not a thought from him. But if that impression and inclination leads to something good, going at least that direction, stepping out. I just think that's how we build confidence that we are hearing. And I think the other thing that in terms of a mindset, I didn't, I didn't used to think his voice would sound like mine. <laughs> but of course it does in the sense that the Holy Spirit lives in me. So I'm hearing my voice. I'm not hearing that audible... Different sounding You know, tone, voice yeah. you hear in the movies of God speaking out here with a deep voice, trembling. It's, it's my voice with that impression and that inclination. Plus, it's going to always lead me in peace, too, when it comes to guidance, direction for a decision. So those are just some factors... It's definitely worth talking more about. Yeah. And we probably all have our experiences of how the Lord talks to you. I do think writing does help because I agree. I think Alan said that too. There's times I'm writing and I'm, I'm just, I'm not thinking. I'm just letting myself write. And then I come back and read it and go, wow, that's so beautiful. That's so loving. Wow. That does sound like my, my, my heavenly father. Mm -hmm. So. I just think this is, it's practice. It really is practice. And the more we step out and follow that, it will build your confidence. And I think you'll go, wow, I've been hearing them all the time. I just didn't even realize it. I didn't know what that sounded like. I just thought that was me. There's a mic. Yes, Gabe. Yeah, so this is a really awesome topic. And what's your name again? Monique. Okay, so it's really cool because, um, like the verse said, God is the light of men. And so all men, I feel like, believer or unbeliever, if there's light or goodness that's coming out of them, it's coming from God. So like the love that you have for your family, like that's from God. And then also scripture testifies about how Nobody has an excuse because everyone has at least like seen the sunset or seen the mountains and that testifies of God. So like God is speaking through all of those things on the macro level, but then on like a more micro personal level, like he's speaking to you through scriptures. Um, like if you feel like something is highlighted and then if something keeps popping up, that's also God. Um, but what I'm really excited for you for is that this is an invitation for you. Um, because clearly, like, everybody is partnering with this right now. And it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So I feel like you're going to be on a really sweet adventure with the Amen. Lord walking Amen. into this. Amen. All right. So uh, I know I've been admonished by a number of you, the leaders, and my daughter, and various people, my wife. We, don't, we only need to get as far as we can get. So there's a few more things here. But I do want to kind of wrap up with one little point of emphasis. We're not trying to wrestle 
from Jesus something that he didn't come to do. He realizes that he, in part, what is he doing? Jesus, what are you doing? I'm revealing the Father. I'm revealing the Father. And then just one little point I wanted to clarify, and, uh, and it has to do with the, the, the Scriptures, not to diminish the value of that at all. I, like w- One of the patterns when I started journaling, I just took it seriously one day that the Scripture says, enter my gates with thanksgiving and my courts with praise. So I started, Lord, thank you for today. I bless you for your love for me. I mean, these are safe things. You don't have to be a prophet to know that, you know. But but two or three of those lines written two or three hundred times literally gives your heart the permission to believe that I'm in your presence. I've come through your gates. And then I have a little symbol. When I'm writing a question, I put a circle in front of it. I don't know why. I think it's an O for original. But then I put a little triangle if I think God's going to answer me. And again, then I can go back and just, just write them down and let them be free that way. But um, anyway, all right, Jesus, as we worship you, Father, as we worship you, Holy Spirit, as you lead us to worship the Father in spirit and truth here in the next few minutes, I pray that, that you will affirm to us that you sent your Son, that we might not be lost in distance and in darkness and in dullness of ear or dullness of eye, but that, Jesus, you continually speak to us what the Father is working in you and in us. And Holy Spirit, uh, that, as Jesus said, when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will uh, take all that the Father has given me and declare it over you. And so, Lord, we are we we choose to open ourselves to your voice. If it's directly from you, Father, if it's directly from you, Jesus, if it's directly from you, Holy Spirit, we just bless you for being willing to bridge the distance, the gap, and and that sense of alienation that we were all um, that all of us have had to be delivered from. And you'll make your word in your heart and your your logos, your intentions known to us. So Lord, bless you as we worship you. In Jesus' name.